All right. You guys excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Favored among all services are you. I love you most. I'm glad that you're here. Um, Good job bringing friends. This service is growing. I love to see that. Uh, My name is Pastor Jake, the lead pastor here. If you are a friend or a newer person, uh, we're excited that you're here today. Um, We're excited today. We've got a guest speaker with us, Andy King from Dream Center. He'll be jumping up here in just a moment. Uh, but before he comes to, uh, to uh, preach the word, I wanted to touch base with you about Kingdom Builders. Before I do that, I wanted to tell you that Pastor Fabiano, who is our, our Germantown Hills worship pastor, um, and, and he favors one lung over the other, um, he, he is doing better. He had surgery earlier this week. Um, and so it's painful. He's in pain right now, but he's actually in the building somewhere um, hiding uh, from you because he can't handle a bunch of hugs and a bunch of pats on the back, right? So um, he's kind of managing things from behind the scenes today, uh, but he's feeling better. God is already healing him, and he's already on the mend, and so we just want to praise God for that. So he, he'll be back up here soon. Um, he wants to jump right back in, and we're like, dude, take a nap, all right? So that's kind of where we're at with, uh, with Pastor Fabiano. Uh, but uh, this is, uh, we want to talk about Kingdom Builders for a quick moment. Um, if you're new here, this is new to you. For those who have come in lately or within the last year, this is to educate you on what Kingdom Builders is. Also to remind those of you who have been here a long time, uh, it's always good to do that. So here's the heart of Kingdom Builders. Um, we as Great Oaks believe that we need to be about more than just here, more than just ours, more than just in this place, more than just this building, that we, we need to be about more than just people who look like us, live like us, live next to us, vote like us, believe what we believe. But we need to be about more because if it's true, if we believe the gospel message that Jesus left heaven and entered into human history to save the souls of men and women and glorify his Father, to die on a cross and defeat death, hell, and the grave, if If we believe that he did that, not just for you and me, but for humankind, then we have to be about more than just showing up to church on Sunday, right? We have to be about more than just us. And so that's that's where Kingdom Builders comes in as far as our church goes. Um, So if you got a bulletin when you came in, grab it, look at it really quick with me. Um, There's a white insert in there. I can see if you're not doing it. So can Jesus. And so... Just grab it and look at it. It's not hard. There, we got some good stuff going on over here. So grab that white uh, insert in there. Um, If you are a visitor today, then jump into Kingdom Builders if you want. But hopefully you hear the heart uh, behind kind of what we do here as a church, that we're not about building our own kingdom but God's kingdom. But here's what Kingdom Builders is, or here's what I'm asking you to do as uh, as we talk about Kingdom Builders. Um, I'm asking you to to be a kingdom builder, and that that means three things. You build God's kingdom by, one, serving here at Great Oaks, and two, serving outside of these walls with our partner organizations like Dream Center Peoria, who Andy is representing today, uh, both locally and abroad. And then number three, by giving of your finances above and beyond your tithe, beyond that 10% of your income, Uh, to the Kingdom Builders Fund. And so if you've been here long, we give you updates about Kingdom Builders. We talk about it all the time. Uh, But once a year, we kind of gather for a couple Sundays and we talk about just Kingdom Builders. We bring in partners. We have them in the lobby for you to connect with. Uh, And when we do that, we're asking you, even if you've been giving and and serving within uh, the church and outside of the church, to to revisit, to rethink, to to pray again about how God would have you be a kingdom builder and increase your involvement uh, within kingdom builders. And so uh, we're asking you not to choose between these areas, like, well, I'm not going to serve at the church because I give enough money where I don't have to serve at the church, or I I serve a lot at Dream Center Peoria, therefore I'm not going to serve at Great Oaks, or whatever it is. Don't choose between those, but to be a kingdom builder in all three of these areas. And, 
And as it, as it relates to serving in the church, um, what we're trying to do, especially here at the Germantown Hills campus, is to instill in you this idea that you come to church not just to consume, but to contribute. And that goes for our Washington campus as well. But here's the Germantown Hills part. We, we would like to get to become ingrained in us that, that we show up to church to work one service and worship one service. Worship one work one. In fact, I would love it if you, if you started to think, man, I, I, I'm not supposed to just come and sit. I'm not supposed to just come and sit and receive. I, that's not church. That's not what I'm supposed to do. In fact, I would love it if our hearts would so beat for the church. And, and when I say the church, I mean the big C church and for God and for lost people coming in, that it would be odd if we came and we didn't serve. That if we came to church and we went to a service and we left and we're in the van driving home, like, that was weird. That we didn't serve. That was strange. That felt odd. I hope we get to serve next week. Because this is not about consuming. It's about giving. It's about sharing. It's about bringing your gifts, time, money, talents to the Lord each and every Sunday. And so I encourage you, if you have yet to serve, there is no, there's no reason not to serve. There's no person who can't serve. There's no, there's no shortage of need in serving as we grow. Find a place. Talk to Connection Central. We will get you onto a team to serve as we accomplish the mission God has given us. And so that's the first part. The second part with, with uh, serving with, in other organizations outside of this church, you guys have done great. We love hearing testimonies from Dream Center, Southside Mission, Rescue uh, Mission, all, all, all these other places that we partner with. We hear all the time of how awesome Great Oaks is. Thank you for sending your people. Thank you for sending your life groups. And so keep that up. We love that you're doing that. Don't stop that for the financial part, um, we gave $229,000 in 2018, our first try at Kingdom Builders. That's what we gave this year over the last 12 months. Uh, our goal was $265,000. You gave $265,000, so praise God for that. He's been good. He's blessed it. And so over the next 12 months, our goal is to give $285,000 to and through uh, Kingdom Builders. And I believe by faith and with God's blessing, and definitely if everybody jumped on board, that would be an easy goal uh, to meet. So um, you'll get something on your way out, or you can actually pick it up at Connection Central that tells you where everything goes, every dime that you give to Kingdom Builders, where it goes. But here's the basics to that. Uh, The Kingdom Builders Fund finances three things each year. Global missions, local church expansion, that's our 10 and 10 vision, that's our going towards our third campus now, and then number three, compassion ministries, both locally and abroad. So when Andy gets up and talks about Dream Center, that's a compassion ministry, that's meeting people right where they are in real physical need and filling that need, and he's going to talk through that. So when he talks through all that, all that Dream Center is doing, they're one of our largest partners as far as the, the amount of money that we give. And so when he talks about that, that's what Kingdom Builders is about. You get to be a part of that. You get to help finance God's vision through Dream Center and through Kingdom Builders. If you give to Kingdom Builders, you're on the Dream Center team. You tracking with me? All right. So that's what it does, but how is Kingdom Builders financed? Well, two, two sources. First, We've committed as a church leadership to not just teach you the biblical idea of tithe, giving 10% of your income to the local church, but to also try to practice that. And the way that we do that is that 10% of everything that comes in at Great Oaks, every, every bit of finances that come in at Great Oaks, 10% of it goes to Kingdom Builders right off the top. So we tithe that to, to Kingdom Builders. And then um, the other part of this is the rest of the money that, that goes through Kingdom Builders comes from Great Oaks individuals and families giving above and beyond that tithe towards Kingdom Builders. So, so I always make sure I say this every year so there's no confusion. Um, if you haven't taken a step of faith and started tithing, giving 10% of your income, then begin working towards that. Do that first. We believe God will bless you as you follow the principle of tithe put forth uh, in his scriptures. And just know that that 10% of that, whatever you give, that a tenth of that already goes to kingdom builders. So start with tithe 
first. Because uh, if all of us just said, hey, instead of tithing, we're going to give all of our tithe into kingdom builders, we'd give like a million dollars to kingdom builders, and then we'd close the church doors. And that doesn't sound like a good idea to me personally. Okay? So I don't think it's a good idea. So don't do that. Start with your tithe, and then I promise God will bless you, and you'll see that this is what you're supposed to do, and then you'll be able to give generously above and beyond that to kingdom builders, so you can do that. So fill out that white sheet of paper. Uh, Let us know what you're able to give. The idea is that you would give to kingdom builders one lump sum, some here before the end of the year so that we can begin um, supporting Dream Center and others. Uh, so give that one lump sum. Be praying about that. What does God want you to give? And then that maybe you would commit to giving monthly. You can set that up online to happen automatically. That's what Aaron and I do. It's easy. You don't have to think about it. And you can do that. Um, so just fill out that white sheet to let us know what you're doing. Um, if you're writing a check or going online, make sure you write in there kingdom builders or choose that uh, fund. And as always, my challenge to you each year is to not do the math. Don't worry about dividing it by the number of, you know, attenders we have or whatever else. Just do your part. Don't do the math. Just do your part. I'm not asking you to give $285,000. I'll accept it for Jesus if you want to. Meet me after. But I... I'm just asking you to do your part. Some of, some of you can write a check for $20,000 today and give $500 a month to Kingdom Builders. Praise God. We would be able to do so much with that gift. But many of you can maybe come up with $50 or $100 right now and $5 a month or $10 a month. That's awesome. It's not about, equals, it's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice, right? Most of us are in between there. So just do something. Don't do nothing. Get involved And give and serve um, like we're talking about. So here's what I want you to do. Three things. Pray. Pray and do whatever God wants you to do, tells you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. And then fill out the commitment form in the bulletin. Turn it in um, to the ushers on your way out or to the Connection Central or mail it to us or whatever. And then three, just be a kingdom builder by serving and by giving. All right. Now let me introduce our guest speaker, um, Andy King. He is the executive director at Dream Center Peoria, an awesome ministry that is affecting and impacting for the gospel and for the glory of Jesus thousands and thousands of lives. We love Dream Center. We serve there. We have given to them for a long time. Andy's become one of my friends, and so a couple of months ago we were doing lunch, and um, after that, we were t- check it, uh, catching up on what Dream Center was doing, Great Oaks was doing, and our personal lives. And after that, I just felt like the Lord um, wanted me to invite him to be a part of Kingdom Builders this year and to speak to us. I know now, after being through two services, why that is. And, and so I'm excited about what he's going to say. I think uh, God speaks to me mostly. Uh, he gets my attention mostly when I'm trying to go to sleep. I don't know if that's everybody else, but it's like when I'm trying to go to sleep, I can't. And I feel the Holy Spirit just saying, you need to pray. And so that night after doing lunch with them, I prayed and just felt like God said to, to invite him. And so I texted him. I think it was like, you know, 11 or 12 at night or something, but he didn't answer. But he answered the next day. And, and so I'm super pumped that he's here. And so let's just welcome him to the stage as he comes and delivers the word. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Good morning. How is everyone? It's going to snow this week. Not a good way to start a message, but I love snow, so good. It is awesome to be here. Um, that's an American word, isn't it? Awesome. It's awesome to be here and uh, to be with you. It, it feels like home. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because uh, over these years, there has been a, a partnership, not just uh, with organization and church, but uh, a friendship with Pastor Jake and the team here uh, and myself. And so I, I want to say thank you uh, to Pastor Jake for allowing me to speak and, and also the team uh, that is here. Um, you know, when you're on the outside looking at churches, you can see things that sometimes you can't see when you're in the church. And this is a, I don't know if you know this, this is a growing church. And the sign of a growing church is that it's healthy. Things grow when it's healthy. And I've got to know Pastor Jake and the team. And I just want you to know as a church, you're in good hands. That God's got a massive plan for Great Oaks. And the 10 in 10 and all the different things that you're doing. Uh, I, just, I just want to say thank you and that, that 
sometimes you need an outsider saying and, and, and stirring some of that. Uh, so you're in good hands. Uh, I tell you who else is in good hands is the Washington campus. Hi, everyone. Um, pastor Nate is the campus pastor there, right? You all know this? Yeah, yeah. This is, apparently, this is the best crowd to preach to. So, so be with me, all right? Come on. All right, okay, okay. Um, pastor Nate, believe it or not, when I moved to America in 93, I was living in Washington. And my dad was a pastor uh, in Washington, and I was a part of the youth ministry leadership team. And there was this scrawny little kid called Nate Westerfield who was in our youth group. And uh, funny story, uh, Mary and Roger, his mom and dad, said to, uh, said to me, hey, we want to treat Nate for a graduation gift when he graduates high school. Would you take him to England? I'm like, yeah. But at that time, uh, I had a fiancé, now my wife, but a fiancé, and she also wanted to go and see England and see the family before she makes this, like, jump. And, uh, and so I went to England with Nate and my fiancé, and Nate was the third wheel for two weeks. <laughs> and, uh, and it was an awesome time. So me and Nate go, go back, but uh, Washington campus, you're in good hands also. Uh, and so thank you again for letting me be here today. But thank you, yeah. I want, you, I want to take you to the South Pacific, to an island where it's actually been forgotten about, but over a number of years, there has been a guy that has been living there that got shipwrecked. And he's been living there, and um, he feels like the world's forgot about him. And then one day, as he's looking out into the horizon, he sees a boat coming by, and as he looks out, something happens, there's smoke, there's an explosion, and the boat goes down. So he goes back onto the island, and a couple of days later, this guy appears out of nowhere. It's a guy who was on the ship, and who made it onto this island that was his island. They start talking and getting to know one another, and the guy who... Uh, lived on the island, started showing him around. And they get to these three structures, these three huts. And the, the guy who had just got shipwrecked said, now what's the story with these three huts? And he said, well, the first hut, that's where I live. I built my house. I said, this is where I live. And he's like, wow, that's a nice house. So then he said, um, what, what's with the second hut? And he said, oh, that's my church. I built a church, 100% attendance every week. <laughs> so he goes, oh, that's amazing. So then he said, what about the third hut? And he goes, oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> and today I want to talk about the church and culture. And how they intersect. And before I get into uh, the meat of my message, I, I want to first let you know that on the outside, the Church of America looks pretty good. But when you start delving into where the church is at in history right now in America, it's not so good. In the last five years, 10,000 churches have closed their doors. The number of people in America that do not attend church has doubled in the last 15 years. A third of church attendees feel like it's not their personal responsibility to tell others about Jesus. Only 15% of churches in America are actually growing. And 5% is just from conversion, uh, from church hopping. So someone going from here to here. 
This last month, 1,400 pastors threw in the towel in America. The vast majority of churches have an average attendance of 75. Around 15 to 20 million people are Christians. They have a walk with Jesus, but they've given up on the church and don't go to church. And 47% of Christian millennials feel that it's wrong to share their faith with someone. I'd say the church is in a bit of a, a mess. And, and the hard thing is, is Jesus came not only to die for you and me, so we could have eternal life with him, but he also came so that he could establish the church. So this vehicle called the church could be a light in dark communities and areas where the hope of Jesus needs to be shouted. So that's a group of statistics of where the church is at. But what about the nation? 15% of Americans live in poverty. When you break that down, that's 46 million people. Under the age of 18, that's 16 million. There's over 100 billion, with a B, 100 billion dollars worth of food wasted in America every year, yet 20% of requests for emergency food assistance goes unmet. 3% of U.S. households experience hunger. When you break that down, that's 9 million people experience hunger in America. 3 million are kids. So then we look at Illinois. In Illinois, a third are poor or live in low-income families. Now, Andy, you may say, how does that break down? Where, where, where are you getting the stats from? Well, guys that are way smarter than me study this. But this is how it's broken down. Um, a family of four, for instance, that are earning less than $12,000 is considered as extreme poverty. Now, I know we're not living in India or Africa, but to live in America, you have to have a certain amount of money to live. And if you don't, we see a lot of those folks at the Dream Center. A family of four that's earning less than 24000 is considered living in poverty. So when you look at all these numbers, you see some other startling things. The groups that have the highest poverty rates are within women, children, and people of color. When you break that down, the kids have the highest statistic out of anyone. And the problem with that is the kids can't do anything about it. They're stuck at the school that they're at in the inner city. They can't move where they're living. They can't go and relocate. And what you find is the kids that do relocate are relocating because of something that has been done to them. So let me ask you this question. Out of these two groups, the church, the state of the church, and the state of the nation, and the poor and the broken, which group breaks the heart of God the most? It's actually both. It's actually both. See, like I said, the main reason why Jesus came was to establish 
the church and prepare for his return. God had a bigger plan, a bigger picture. Jesus is the answer to the world's needs, but he knows that the vehicle of the church is how those needs are met and how his light shines. And so through Scripture, you see that God has been trying to get our attention on these two topics. If you're new here today or have never been around Christians, there's a book that we read a lot called the Bible. This book has 66 books within one book. Two-thirds is the Old Testament and one-third is the New Testament. Two-thirds of the Old Testament, one-third is the New Testament. In the, in the Old Testament, that's really getting ready for what's about to happen in the New Testament. Jesus makes an appearance in the New Testament. And that's where you find all the stories about Jesus. But when you look at this book called the Bible, you see that there is 2,000 verses that are connected with how we're to treat the poor and the broken and the outcast and the prisoner and the the widow and the orphan. Over 2,000 verses. So if we look in the Old Testament for a minute and we start really digging in, what we find is a little startling. The second most talked about topic in the Old Testament is how we treat the poor and the broken. But but what's amazing is what is the first, the most talked about thing in the Old Testament. It's all to do with idolatry. Having things in front of God. Having our attention away from God. And and even back then, thousands of years ago, it was as though God was trying to get our attention for today. That as we do stuff and get stuff, that it can move us further and further away from the other priority that God was trying to talk to us about, which is how we treat the poor and the broken. And the busyness of our lives can sometimes forget and push away the second most talked about topic in the Old Testament. That's how we treat the poor and the broken. In Amos 5, 21, God speaks. And this is what he says. He says, I hate, no, I despise your feasts. And I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melodies of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. In the message version, that last verse, it says this, I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. So you may say, Andy, um, the Old Testament, uh, um, does it really apply to today? I mean, there's, there's some movements that are trying to like Get rid of the Old Testament. But when you look at the Old Testament, it is just a shadow of what is about to happen in the New Testament. What happens in the Old Testament is setting the stage for when Jesus walks on planet Earth and changes history forever. So let's look at the New Testament. How we treat the poor and the broken is actually the most talked about topic in the New Testament. There are more verses when it comes to this than heaven and hell, the second coming, and sexual morality all combined. 
Jesus is trying to get our attention in the New Testament. There's over 500 verses in the New Testament with regards to this topic. That's one in 16 verses. When you look at the Gospels, which is the story of Jesus and and everything that he did, it's one in 12 verses. In the book of Luke alone, it's one in 10. And if if you don't want to get convicted, do not read the book of James. Because the book of James, it's one in seven. It's as though God was trying to get our attention. He was trying to say, it's not about what you do inside the church, it's what you do outside. It's how you communicate me outside the church. It's an outward thing. I want you to change the world and you can't change the world in four walls. You've got to go out and do it. And so Jesus starts to model this with this crowd that he has called the disciples. These are his closest friends. These are people who are living for him. They have dropped everything. They've given up businesses. They've walked away from different things. And they're now with him. Jesus is about to send them out. And it's in Matthew 10, 5, where he says this. Don't begin by traveling to some far-off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Through the New Testament, Jesus is constantly trying to inform these disciples that it's not about them, but it's about what they can do in this world. And you see, time and time again, as he has sent these guys out, there would be times where it's as though Jesus would hit pause in a situation that's happening There'd be something going on and he would pause and he would address the guys. This happened many times. As though he was trying to get their attention and I feel trying to get our attention. There's a scripture that I've heard a lot of Christians use to try and justify why they don't really help the poor and the broken and the outcast. The scripture is that that one that says, the poor will be with us always. Like, the poor are with us always. So, what power have we got? The poor are with us always. So, we've just got to get get on with our job because they're always going to be there. Like, it becomes an excuse And so Jesus wants to try and, with this scripture, try and change the mindset of the disciples. A lady has come forward and she had some perfume and was was wanting to give it to Jesus. And the disciples are trying to push her away. They're trying to say, no, no, no. And this is what Jesus says. Listen to this, Mark 14, 7. And Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing here. Here it is. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. Could I propose something this morning? That that scripture, the poor are always with you, isn't an excuse, but actually it's a sign that you are a true disciple. A true sign that you are a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is that the poor are always with you. That that you are, are put into situations 
and circumstances that you can be a light to the poor and the broken. And, and please hear me out. I'm not on about poor financial. I've met a lot of rich people who are poor. I'm on about poor in spirit. Poor in how they are. The depressed. The people who live with anxiety. The suicidal. Jesus wants us to be there for them. And as a true sign of being a follower of Jesus, the poor will be around us. Now that can get very overwhelming. And to be honest with you, I think that's where people just back off because they feel, I haven't got it. I haven't got it in me. I don't know what to say to people. I don't don't know how to treat the homeless or the famous who are depressed. And you're absolutely right. You don't have it in you. You don't have what it takes. That's why Acts 1.18 is so critical. Acts 1.18, Pastor Jake preached on last week. And it said this. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, in the earlier verse where Jesus is saying, okay, we're going to stay local right now. You're going to be with me. We're going to go into the neighborhoods right here. We're going to take care of business right here because I'm here. But as that scripture said, he also warned the disciples that there was going to be a day when he was not going to be there. And when that day came, Jesus had already prepared the disciples in Acts 1.18. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? So that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Jesus was setting his disciples up. It was like a one-on-one training. Right now, we're okay. You're with me. I'm not going to be all the time, but we're going to start in the neighborhoods. But as things started to progress, Jesus now was preparing them. He was preparing them for something bigger than they could actually do. Because he knew that this group of, of guys... We're going to create and be the first church of all time. This is the, this, this 12, 11, because one didn't make it, 11, these were the guys that were going to launch the church. And he knew that they couldn't do it on their own. So Holy Spirit was the power for them. And they were able to dream big. Like I said, back in, in 93 is when I came from England to America. No, I am not Texan. I know a lot of you thought I was from Texas. No, it's the English accent, right? But I came and I actually want to forward my story to 2004. I had just become the executive director of Dream Center Peoria. Back then, it, it looked a lot different. Dream Center Peoria lives to impact families living in poverty, starting with kids and youth. That's what makes us get up each and every day. But back then, it was me and a part-timer. Our office was at the top of the Holiday Inn parking lot, downtown Peoria. They had some offices there. We had three or four ministries that were going on. We had a handful of volunteers. 
and then I had a head full of dreams. I had just come into this, this organization. I'd never run a nonprofit before. I'd been a youth pastor. I'd done a bit of sales. I'd been in Australia doing a, a discipleship training program. But, but now, God had planted me in the middle of Peoria. I remember sitting at my desk and I get a knock on the door and this lady walks in and she says, can, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, sure, not a problem. Come. To be honest, that's the first person that had ever knocked on the door, so I, I was ready to talk to anyone. <laughs> she comes in with a bag like this with some Lincoln Logs. I'd never seen anything like this before. I'm from England. We don't have Lincoln Logs in England. We have Lego, right? But Lincoln Logs, I was like, what is that? So I'm trying to figure it out. Anyway, she said, um, can I ask you to do something? She said, um, can you start building something? Sure. So I get the Lincoln Logs out, and I'm, I'm trying to build. I mean, I'd, I'd, never, I'd, I'd never touched Lincoln Logs, so I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm just building, and... She starts talking. She said, Andy, I know you've just come into this position, but I want you to know that God sees you as a Noah to Peoria and to this region. She said, God has given you a, a head full of dreams and you see where you want this dream center thing to go and, and how you want it not to look like a nonprofit, but yet you want impact like never before. That things that you would create, people would get involved in so that they could make a difference, but it's not going to look like things that have been done before. And she starts talking to me, and she said, as you start to move forward, you've got to keep building. She said, when... When it's hard and it seems like people are against you, keep building. When it feels like all the resources are not there, keep building. When you need major money, keep building. When you see that within the city, things are being overwhelmed, keep building. When you hear the cries of the city at night, keep building. And over the years, we've seen this thing called the Dream Center grow. Ministries have come and gone. We've seen staff grow. But in 2006, I'll be honest with you, I was getting very frustrated. I'd been in the position for two years. We were seeing things happen throughout the city. God was starting to do something but we didn't have a home. We didn't have a dream center. We were just like a dream. <laughs> the YMCA had been up for sale for four years. No one had touched the thing. It had started at $4 million. The price had now come down to $1.4 million. $1.4 million that we did not have at all. But we just knew we had to make a step towards it and see if we could buy it. So I called the YMCA up and I said, I'd like to talk to you about buying the building. And the guy on the other end started to laugh, which is common, all right? That's just, they hear my accent, and they're like, what are you saying? And he, he turned to me and goes, it's funny you should call today. He said, not only have you called about this building, but Methodist Hospital have called to buy the building. And I'm like, it's over. I can't take on a hospital. I don't know if you know this, but hospitals make a lot of money. <laughs> and if there's a bidding war, we lose. And so I said, well, okay, let's meet our board, the Wise board, and Methodist Hospital's board. We all meet, and I just start sharing my heart and passion for the city, for the poor and the broken, for this being a spiritual hospital. Something that could be open every minute of the day. 
and I sit down. Then the Methodist hospital get up and they say, well, if, I, if we buy this building, we will knock it down. They said, we do not want the building. What we want is the parking lot that is associated with this building just across the street. Let me paint the picture. If, if you've been downtown Peoria, you'll see now Unity Point. There is a huge parking lot right in front of the Dream Center. Two-thirds of that Methodist Hospital, Unity Point, owned. The last third, the size of a football field, not a real football field, I'm on about American football field. <laughs> there is a difference, and that's a whole different message that I've got ready if you want me to go. <laughs> but this football field-sized parking lot was part of this property. So I said, okay, it's down to 1.4 million. What do you want to pay for the parking lot? And they turned to me and they said, we'll pay 1.2 million. So we ended up buying the Dream Center for $200,000. Now, it's just a few miles from here. I don't know if you've seen it. It's an eight-story building right downtown Peoria, it's got Jesus's on top of the building. It's 140,000 square feet, it used to be the old YMCA. Each year we touch close to 30,000 people through all the different programs that we have. We have three main core values at the Dream Center. Dignity, compassion, and purpose. We want to give dignity to people when they come to the Dream Center. We want to show compassion. But then we want to ignite purpose. So, so how do we do that? We have three main pillars. The first is DCP housing. DCP housing is our homeless shelter. Over the last three years, we've seen our homeless shelter go from 30 to 40 people to now 70 to 100 people each night. The folks that we serve are women, children, fathering dads, and families. The average age in our homeless shelter is nine years of age. So homelessness looks completely different to us than what you would normally see. Our aim isn't to keep people on the homeless shelter floor, although right now we're in the middle of a renovation. Because of the numbers, we're actually expanding onto two floors. And we will have the coolest homeless shelter in Peoria. Not because we want to be cool, but because we want to give dignity, even in the building that the folks are coming into. So our homeless guests will come into the homeless shelter. But the aim is not to keep people there. That's just the doorway into impacting their lives. Our aim then is to move them into the village, which is our apartments. We have 21 apartments. Once they get into those apartments, we have caseworkers and counselors and groups that come in, and they can work with the ladies and the families that are up there. We know that if we can get them into the village, 91% who leave never go back to homelessness. That's the goal, is to end homelessness in that family and through the whole journey they're hearing about Jesus. So that's DCP housing. Then we have DCP students. DCP students is, is our after-school program and summer camp, but we never wanted to be a babysitting service. We never wanted to be a place where kids just come and just hang, but there's purpose to it, and we want to spark purpose in their lives. So within that, we have a trades program where we're teaching kids the trades from carpentry to motor mechanics to motorbike repair, electrical circuitry, T-shirt printing. We've even got a coffee business that we're going to launch next January. 
We want to put kids in environments that they've never been in before and show a way out of poverty. And we start with them at junior high. So for all these years, we can work with them and break some of those cycles that they're being told or being shown. So when they leave, we can help them find apprentices, jobs, and places that can go with what they've been taught in the last six years or more. And then we have DCP Cares. DCP Cares is an, what I would say an on-ramp for a lot of churches and small groups to get involved with us. DCP Cares ministries are ministries like Backpack Peoria, where the community can come together and help us give away 2,500 backpacks loaded with school supplies to kids who need it and who then will start school well on the first day of school. DCP Cares covers things like Mission Peoria, where we have over 350 young people that come to the Dream Center for a week-long missions trip from all over the country. And we spark purpose in them to go and impact their world that week. And at the end of that week, they pull off Backpack Peoria. But what it also does, it sparks the young people for their life when they leave Mission Peoria. And one program that we're launching uh, next spring that we've just started talking about is Here for Good. It's a neighborhood ministry where we go into the neighborhood once a month, neglected neighborhoods in Peoria, and as a church community, the capital C, we can go and impact areas that need Jesus. It's an easy ramp for people to get connected and then they can get connected with some of the other things that we do. I got a call just a few months ago. It was from Christy. Christy runs our homeless shelter and village. 20 years ago, she was living in a car with two kids right outside the Dream Center when it was the Y. She went through the programs which the Y had at that time that we took on when they went bankrupt. She now runs the programs. She called me and she said, Andy, I've just seen something that, to be honest, I've never seen before in Peoria. But she said, it's just reinforcing why we've got to keep doing what we're doing. She said a, a mom just came into the building with her 12-year-old daughter. But the 12-year-old daughter came in also, and the 12-year-old daughter had just given birth. Right there, we had three generations. Three generations that we were able to break the cycle of poverty and homelessness. We say all the time, if you want to help solve poverty issues, you've got to be up close and personal. Because when you feel it, that's when you can make a difference. And so, that's a bit about what we do and how we do it. And, and this lady coming in and talking to me about Noah's Ark and all this, it was... It all came to a head one day when I was thinking about that story. And, and more importantly, the Great Oak story. You see, right here, you have a Noah. Pastor Jake and the team have a plan. God has given them a vision, a plan to impact this community around here. The vehicle, the ark is Great Oaks. As a church, it's Great Oaks. They've got a plan, the 10, 10 in 10. There's one thing missing. One thing missing, and it's the nails. You can have a dream and a vision all you want. And you can have the vehicle that you think is going to be the thing that is going to save people. But until you have the nails 
to keep the thing together is just a pile of wood. And you are the nails. You are the people who can bring this whole thing together to impact communities throughout central Illinois. You can play your part. It may have thought back in Noah's day that this little piece of metal is going to keep everything together and everything's going to be okay. You have your place. You play your part. Kingdom builders, you may be there going, well, with kingdom builders, I'm only giving $10 a month. You get to play that part. You may be saying, well, I only go down to the Dream Center and serve food to the homeless once a month. You're a nail in the big picture of this church. You have a role to play. And today you may not have, have seen it before, but as I've shared, you're seeing, I can, I can be a part of this big, big picture that is happening right here at Great Oaks. Each and every one of you can be a nail. Because if there's no nail, there's no vehicle, and then no one is saved. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you, you love to show us through scripture and through thousands of years of when this book was being written. That you knew who was going to be in this room today. That you knew that what was written in those scriptures could change our lives on earth. That could give us purpose for a future. So God, I pray for everyone in this room, everyone that's heart may be going a little bit faster right now because they're thinking, I, I, I get to be a part of this. God, I pray that anyone in this room can start to see in these next days ahead on how they can be a part of kingdom builders and how they can be a part of Great Oaks and serving and volunteering and being a part of different nonprofits and God, I pray that they see that they have a place in this body to move this ark forward, to impact this world. So God, I pray you will be with everyone today as they leave, that this message will ring in their head that they get to play a part. They get to make a difference. Jesus, we thank you. Amen. As you leave, we want you to have a nail. As you leave, there'll be people at the doors that you can grab a nail. And I want you to put this somewhere that will remind you each and every day that you're not just here on earth just to go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed. That God has a plan for each and every one here. Just like the nail, it's crucial for things like Great Oaks to move forward to bring Jesus to a dying community. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lauren. I work with Canvas Outreach at Bradley University. And I just want to say thank you for your support. I'm Lori Skinner from Peoria Rescue Ministries. Thanks so much for your support. Looking forward to meeting you. Hi, my name is Patricia Miller. I'm with Southside Mission. Thank you for your support. My name is Joanne Ryder, and I'm from Juvenile Justice Ministry. Thank you for your support. Hi, we are Mark and Tammy Herman with My Sister's House. It's good to be here today uh, with Great Oaks. Thank you so much for partnering with us. My name is Andy King from Dream Center Peoria, and thank you for your support. Good morning, I'm Debbie Morris. And I'm Nancy Hodges, and we're with Washington Weekend Snack Pack. We pack uh, snack packs for children in need in our Washington schools. We thank you for allowing us to come in today, and we appreciate all the support. Thank you. Hi, my name is Jada Hare. I'm from Midwest Food Bank. Thank you for your partnership. 
Hey guys, it's Justin Rao and Chris Genders here with Metamora Campus Life and the new Metamora Campus Life Center. Hey, we just want to say thank you guys for your partnership and support as we play our part in helping YFC accomplish their vision of reaching one million teenagers with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks, guys. Thanks. My name is Kristen Springer. I'm with Metamora Area Weekend Stack Pack, and we appreciate your support. Thank you. Hey, Great Oaks Community Church. My name is CJ Fisher. I'm from Juvenile Justice Ministry with Youth for Christ. And I just want to say thank you so much for your support. Hi, I'm Tara Ingham. And I'm Dana Williamson. We're from Midwest Food Bank. Thank you so much for your support. 